1: And here we are for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Brock, how was your long weekend?
2: Yeah, it was good. Good times? Good times, yep. Had a
1: couple of days at the footy, had some beers, some family, a barbecue. Plenty of uh, good times over the weekend, catch up with a few people.
2: Yeah, it was good. Footy was good.
1: Definitely was. I thought it was a good round and already we're a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, it's flying. There you go.
2: Time is flying.
1: And this week, as always, brought to you by great sponsors or great supporters of the show. In particular, BlueBet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the true Blue Bookie. There is no one better than BlueBet.com.au. Visit the website today or download the app. And, of course, Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the crew there. They can save you plenty of cashola if you jump on board. Get yourself a system today. Help your back pocket, help yourself, and put the savings back in. Uh, jumping in, set of six, going to take a bit of a different approach tonight. There was there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things we've already talked about in terms of the six topics, six tackles, six things we could talk about. But we've sort of already addressed a lot of things that are happening, including the Ponga situation, what we thought about, you know, what Newcastle are doing. There's some other points, and there's a few other things that we'll address just when we do reviews or talk about those teams. But I think a big one, which always pops up every time uh, early in the year is coaches and clubs and where coaches are at in the situations they're in. So obviously this year started off straight away. We've talked about Barrett and Maguire and what about Brown. Um, You know, Hook got an extension. There there was that side of things. Kevy in year two, new CEO, new football GM. Uh, We're just going to go through because there's a lot of interest and a lot of talk already, as there always is, about these coaches and what's actually realistic expectation-wise for these clubs where they're at and moving forward and what their options are because sometimes and most of the time journos just jump straight on the front foot and everyone's under pressure everyone's going to get sacked and as we know it's not that easy just to fire a coach or replace <coughs> a coach
2: yeah well, someone's going to finish first
1: someone's going to finish last yeah. and you've got to be realistic in some situations so you hear some noise and you're like really? already? and then there's other situations you look at it and go well there's extenuating circumstances, and there's other ones where you look at and go, well, we haven't even heard a peep. So uh, just one other quick thing before we do do that is one point we add here, and we always do this. Because we're a quarter of the way in, we pick our top eights always at the start of the year and generally I always ask this question, if there's one team you could take back out now or one regret, who would it be? And from memory, I think basically right now we're bang on the money in terms of six or seven of the teams. I think the only one we both had who I'm sure we'd agree we'd take out now is probably Canberra. Or yeah. Would you? Ta- would you not? Would you stick with Canberra? No, I'd probably just leave them there. If you had to take them out though and put someone in, who would it be? Probably the Gold Coast. Probably the Titans. I yeah, s- I don't
2: know. There's still eighteen games to go, so there's a lot a lot of water to be to flow under the bridge. Up. Yeah. Yeah. The Warriors, uh, the Cowboys. I, I don't know. I haven't seen a big enough sample size. So. Yeah. A- Newcastle. You know they started off with a bang.
1: It's only a bit of a hypothetical, as we do when we Dragons. get to those points.
2: There's just a whole heap of teams there that are.
1: If you put a gun to my head right now and said one has to come out, it would be Canberra. And who would I put in? It would be between the Warriors and the Cowboys. I thought I had the Warriors as my dark horse, not for the comp, but obviously to be around the eight uh, when we did that selection in the preseason. Cowboys, I was confident, would not get the wooden spoon because I thought there was a lot of good young talent there. Um, well, the,
2: the Raiders are only two points out of the eight and they played horrible. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: know. Uh, moving out of that side of things and looking at this coaching circus is, is a big point of interest for a lot of people. Coaches that are under pressure. Clubs are under pressure. Like We've heard Barrett. We've certainly heard Maguire a lot. Some people mentioned Brown. Like, for me, it's only year two and they've been under a pretty difficult circumstance. Hook. The extension surprised a lot of people. Kevy year two, um, I think the one that's starting to kind of come on people's radars, and I've said it before because he's been there for such a long period of time, but you never seen you hear anything is Ricky Stewart. Um, so Canberra's obviously been a bit of a topic for the start of the season. Got the win week one, find themselves losing a couple of close games since. Couple of another win, and then on the weekend dished up a, a pretty ordinary game where again they get a lead. Second half absolutely diabolical in this patch of just continuing to play 40 minutes on, 40 minutes off, or 20 on, 20 off continues for Canberra. But w- what do you think about that situation? If you're looking at Canberra and people are starting to question that situation, or does he deserve some sort of pressure or oh, should, should there be me some <clears throat> questions?
2: They're, they're coming down the other side of the mountain. They hit, their, they hit their peak. It's nine years now that he's been there. Yeah, but that's what happened. That's a cycle. So he built them up, got them to a grand final, uh, got them to a prelim, or a couple of prelims, and yeah, for whatever reason, I know that you know Hodgson's injured and Fogarty's injured, which is you know taking their steering wheel away basically. It's early in the year. Like, does he deserve to be under pressure? I don't know. Like they've lost some, they've lost some close games. All right, Like, and then who are you going to put in? And and is he is the coach that comes in going to fix the problems that they've got? The problems that they've got aren't coaching from my you know in my opinion but you know people go well, he's he's been there nine years so let's make a change that that seems to be the way that things generally go but yeah I, I, I don't I don't know me I, I wouldn't be touching Ricky Stewart I, I'd be having him there and let him bring through this next crop of youngsters and if he can't you know, if they can't sort of buy into the type of coach he is or if things aren't working with some of your younger players, then I think you've got an issue. But I, a lot of the players he's button heads with and moving on and having issues with are guys that are probably just past their best or aren't playing as good as what they were in those years where they were competitive and top four players. I've, I actually feel for Stewart at the moment. I think he's got some players there that aren't pulling their weight and aren't quite playing up to what they were and what he's probably come to expect.
1: Yeah, I think he's also brought some of it on himself, especially a lot of what happened last year. I think at times, you know, what you sort of put out there or what you feed and that come to bite him on the arse for we partly and a couple of senior guys last year. Um, but I also look at another thing, and he's heavily involved in the contract situation down there and obviously has a lot of say in what happens at Canberra when he did the initial clean-out, the build-back-up, and I think he's made some poor decisions if we're talking about contracts. Like, we're looking at Jared Croker now. Yeah, it's not just him, though. No, no, but he has a lot more say. He's one of those few coaches that does have a big say in contracts. So, Jared Croker, his deal, playing cup at the moment, got a couple of years to run. Like, that's a big, chunky salary cap just to be playing New South Wales Cup. There's got to be well, something. he's
2: playing cup at the moment. There's got to be something. Coming back from a big injury.
1: Yeah, well, they tried to <laughs> medically retire him, but they couldn't. So, <laughs> I'm looking at it going, well, if you can't get that done... That's a big, but you can't back a
2: contract because a guy had a significant injury. You never know what sort of injuries they're going to get. You've got to let's put him in a position now where, yeah, they've
1: you still got to put some perspective on the length of the deal they did. They extended on top of a deal that already had years to go. Yeah, and then you look at a, a deal. He's like... a
2: club captain, and at that point in time, they were playing in grand finals or competing for grand finals. So the
1: Papali extension, you know, they got that done. Um, obviously, that situation right now, it's not the greatest. I think at the moment, I don't can't remember if it's been done. I think it might be getting close to being done. There's, there was talk around Pine situation, getting him extended. Um, we obviously had what happened last year, like you said, clashing with a couple of guys that moved on. Bateman, Williams wanted to move on. I think your bigger question here is just those sort of decisions, the direction they're heading, and what do you think of the squad as you get the most out of the squad? I don't think Canberra's a bad squad. I think they should be doing a lot better than
2: what they, don't they are. have. They don't have a halfback.
1: Well, they don't have a halfback, but...
2: They've got a kid there that's learning in first grade.
1: I, he tried to get rid of Hodgson. So I know Hodgson's out right now, but he was all but gone in the off-season until Tom Starling got in trouble. Mm. So my question again there was like, well, what was their plan? They're just going to go one out with Starling, were they? And hope that Trevelyan well,
2: probably all that would pick have been... somebody
1: up. But they tried to pick somebody up and they mm. couldn't do so. So I don't know, but he's got a lot of older heads there. He's got a lot of guys locked in. He extended Whitehead as well last year. I think he started the year pretty slow. There's a few older guys there you're sort of looking at at the moment, going, "Well, does there need to be a bit of turnover?" And we said that last year mm. because a couple of these <laughs> senior guys, yeah, they are probably letting him down. But I also think he's holding back a little bit from what probably needs to happen. And that's if you're just going to go through another year here where you finish, you know, just outside the eight, or they have a couple of injuries and he refuses to play guys like the Savage or the young fellow Harry Russian that they've brought over, or Trey Mooney, etc. At some point, you are got to bite the bullet. They let Rapana go, they brought Rapana back. They let Cottrick go, they got Cottrick back. They've extended a couple of these older guys. They were going to get rid of Hodgson, but they held on to Hodgson because of what happened with Starling. At some point, he needs to bite the bullet. Yeah, You need to see Savage, you need to see Like, There needs to be some sort of spark plug here. There's got to be some sort of change. If they're going to wait and dilly-dally until they get to the point of the year when you get Fogarty back in and think that's going to fix everything, I don't think Fogarty's a home run either. Fogarty's a good seven, but with what they're doing right now, he's not we fixing... You haven't,
2: haven't seen it. Yeah, but he's not fixing
1: that situation. Seven's not...
2: But he'd certainly make it a lot
1: easier. He might help, but their forward pack needs to be better. A couple of those senior guys need to be better. The patchiness, the errors, and the discipline of their football, a halfback's not fixing all that. So, yeah, I disagree.
2: I think it would help, significantly help.
1: Um, and yeah, the Hodgson situation again, that's been brought up a few times now. It was like, well, they were happy to ship him off until Tom Starling got in trouble, so... I don't know but in terms of stay I'm with you in terms of who you, who would you replace him with but I think there needs to be a decision made here I think they've sort of been in limbo for almost 18 months now about what direction they went head. because I think there is some good young guys there he's put a little bit of faith into some of those older heads he had some issues with them last year that you'd hope would have been resolved for this year but it seems like at the moment it's a few of those guys again that are letting him down so at some point I think he needs to make a hard call and get a few of these young guys in
2: yeah
1: um, Right, in terms of his situation there, I think it's a pretty particular job. And if you were to move him on, I don't know who you would put there. So for that reason, similar to you, I would think this season with what's going on, that's one thing. But next year, if they were to miss the finals and things, should would be anything like they are right now, he'd be gone. If you had three lean years in a row and you refused to make any changes and you're stuck solid, that'd have to be something that changed. Uh, Todd Payton was one that was mentioned after the first year. Obviously, uh, certainly a different approach at the beginning with the Tamalolo situation. But I think made some good decisions in terms of getting some of those younger guys in, trying to move on some of the guys that they were still attached to from their grand final situation. And they've certainly gone back to developing players and trying to get them through their system. We've seen a couple now. that had some pretty good results in the junior competitions at the back end of last year. There's a few more pushing through. Um, so I think Again, it's very early in the year, but also when there's talk about a guy after only 12 months being fired, given the situation there, and I thought that was very premature. Mm.
2: Yeah, I don't have a real strong opinion on Peyton. Yeah, I disagree with a lot of the stuff he did last year. This year he's getting some good results early, but yeah, I'll see how the year pans out. It's a quarter of the way through.
1: Mm. You like what you're seeing, though, from some of the kids, the moves they've made, the direction they're heading?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure on who they've played. Uh, I I thought they played really well against the Broncos. But again, you know, they've played... Who have they played? Canterbury, Brisbane, Canberra twice. Who else have they played? Roosters. Roosters, they they got smashed. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, I'm not too too sure. I think, uh, yeah, from what we've seen so far, they've been impressive, definitely. Mm. They've they've been certainly a lot better than they were last year. Uh, Yeah, it'll just... See how see how the year wears on, and when they play some stiffer opposition.
1: Mm. But in terms of like I said, the blueprint or where they're heading, I think it's not a bad situation that's unfolding. Like if you get through this year again, getting some more football into those guys, getting them close to that fifty games that we talk about for a lot of young players. Well, it's going to take them two years to get to that. The Tamalolo situation looks a lot better. He's back to playing his best football. Holmes is looking a lot better back playing in the centres and they have starting to sort of roam a little bit as well. So I think in terms of the few big question marks you had, you're sort of saying, you know, things pan out quite well at the moment. I still think there's a little bit of a question in terms of what you do long term now with their back five and their halves. I wasn't sure how Chad and Dearden would work. It's actually worked out really well. At the moment. For Dearden. But in terms of one, I don't know if I'd be so keen to throw a hammer straight back in at fullback, I think Drinkwater's got more strings to his bow than what you've got with Hamisa. Mm. And then your decision whether he was to go into the wing or the centre positions at the moment, he's got Hiku who does a pretty good job. And then you've got Felton tolungi on the other edges. So someone's going to miss out.
0: Mm.
1: But, yeah, I think uh, with where they're sort of heading, good guys pushing through their academy.
2: I, they play, I think they play the West Tigers as well, so... <clears throat> Mm. Tigers they played the West Tigers as well the well, Cowboys did they because they
1: only got three wins they'd have four otherwise wouldn't they no I think they they beat the Raiders twice and they beat the Broncos they're three and six they lost to the Roosters they lost to the Dogs
2: and oh, no, it was the Warriors played the Cowboys oh Warriors that played the Tigers that I'm thinking about mm. that game at Campbelltown
1: I can't mm. think of who the other loss was to yeah, i having a look um, mm. but in general like I said I think I uh, think with what they've got sort of funneling through. Got McLean and a couple of guys off contract this year. They're in a situation again to address some spots. Luciano Le Lua heading up there. Um, almost a luxury at this point.
2: The loss of the Bulldogs, the Warriors, and the
1: Roosters. There you go. So it was the Warriors. Um, that one surprised me now when you look at Nani and Lukey in terms of how they're going to use him. But in terms of offense, it's a good player to be bringing up. Unless they reshuffled their middles, use one of them as a third aim.
2: And, they they've got a nice draw. Titans, Eels will be a stiff. Uh, Knights, Tigers. So even in the next month, they've certainly got a nice little draw, the Cowboys.
1: Mm. But again, in terms of the coaching situation, I was surprised, given what was inherited in a few of those contracts, there was so much talk. I know there was some things... That talk,
2: was talk, not so much because of the results, it was because of the way that he was publicly going yeah. about things, his relationship with Tom Malolo... There, he put a lot of pressure on himself.
1: Mm. But I think uh, that situation there is pretty it, much.
2: Those things don't need to be played out publicly. And unfortunately, you know, he sort of put his foot in it a little bit last year and they weren't getting results. So mm. Mm.
1: so I don't think he's under any pressure in the situation no, they're not. in. Um, that's one again where I think you you're have to. You are not under
2: give... pressure when you are
1: winning. No, but I think it was one of those ones regardless, when he inherited it, you have to at least give. I, two yeah, to three that's, years that's fine. To sort of let it unfine.
2: Provided that you're not torching players publicly and you know, going about it the way that he was going about it. I think again, that he brought that pressure
1: on himself. Yeah, well we could say the same thing about Ricky Stewart last year, leaking things. Well he's earned the
2: right so. Ricky Stewart's very different. He's not a rookie coach, he's someone who's won a comp been to grand finals,
1: coach state of origin. Like it's it's different. A different beast. Mm. Uh, the hook situation, they got a win on the weekend, one that plenty of people were looking at when he was brought in originally. Talk about building up the juniors, heading through the juniors. We've seen pretty much a bit of the opposite side of that so far. He's relied on some older guys, brought in plenty of veterans that he used to have a bit to do with at Brisbane, brought in some other guys for the old money ball theory. Um, and is pretty yeah, he's quick.
2: to work the cap, hasn't
1: he? Pretty quickly gone away from some of these young guys that you think would be the blueprint for you moving forward.
2: He's got. He's had to work the cap because he's got guys there on overs. Mm. Well,
1: he's they've probably moved, paid a few guys overs as well since he's been there. So. Yeah, but they've moved a few out. You'd think you'd be smart, like we said, to what is actually your future? What is the point of playing and buying a couple of these guys for twelve months and just rolling for it? Like at some point, again, you have. Yeah, to sit well, we there have this
2: conversation every week, though.
1: Yeah, and make your mind up. But yeah. the extension baffled me. We,
2: we're both firmly in the corner that those young guys probably mm. should be playing first grade. But he's the coach, and if he thinks they're not up to it, then. You know he's got to live and die by the sword, and he's going to come under pressure if they don't. The players he's got there don't perform. Simple as that. So he's back in the experience, but mm. I'm naturally I know where my I know where you know where I'd be. Yeah,
1: well, and it's I, not
2: where he is, but it doesn't mean that that's right.
1: Naturally intrigued Ooh. by this situation, especially now that Flanagan was off the staff and is now back in at a higher level. So yeah. that situation to me just is very strange. But the fact they extended him before a ball was even kicked off, pretty much straight away made no sense either because I just don't see who was going to come in and poach him or off a pre-season, why you'd go, okay, off what we finished up last year, losing, you know, last six or seven in a row. Like, let's just see how this year pans out first off we're heading in the right direction and what you do with these kids. But now they've put themselves in a situation where take away the win on the weekend. If you're heading in the direction you were and he's not playing those kids and a couple of guys are getting a bit uneasy and you're worried about the way forward, you've now got yourself in a position where you're going to have to pay half a million or so to get out of it. Mm. But this one I can see a little bit of pressure on because I think a lot of the selling point to start with is I've been at Brisbane, I've been at Penrith, I've worked with juniors, I get guys through systems, I get those guys to play first grade. And so far, it's been pretty much the complete opposite of that. It's been a lot of veterans, a lot of older heads, a lot of guys you're looking at going, all right, they're on the back nine, what's sort of the blueprint here, where are we going? And now the fact, that like we said, that Flanagan was out off the staff and is now back in at a higher level at the club. I don't know. That one, uh, That one I think, is a bit of watch the space. And it's going to take a little bit to play out. And then, obviously, they have to take into account the situation with the payout. Yeah. If they want to go down that road. But, yeah. I don't know. That, that sort of situation and the hiring and where that all was in the first place, like we said, I thought Mary was in between a rock and a hard place when you've got the board, a guy doing your recruitment for you, and people... Again, when we talk about circumstances, picking your team for you. All those things are wrong if you're a head coach.
2: Mm.
1: So, I don't know where that one's going to head, but that's one I could see a bit of pressure. Um, you know, they get the win on the weekend, but it's against Newcastle, so I don't really see that as a great relieving sort of win. But if they go on and lose the next three or four, they've got the Roosters this week. I don't know their draw looks like that. If we get to mid-season and they're, say, three from 12 and things aren't looking too crash hot, I think they have definitely consider what they're doing. Um, and, again... Harsh as it sounds, because again, you're going, oh, well, you just said before, for those other guys, it's year two. This is also a coach who's had a couple of runs at a couple of different clubs now. So you sort of know what yeah, well, you're they, getting...
2: knew, they knew what they were buying when they, when they went and got him. Exactly. So, so if you're not happy... A lot of people thought... questioned it. But really, you should allow him to do what he wants to do mm. if you've employed him. Rightly or wrongly, I know there'll be a lot of fans going, okay, I don't understand what we're doing. And we can see that perspective as well. But from a club perspective, if they've signed him, and, you know, he's out. He's laid out the plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is what my plan is. Then at least let him, if you've backed it, then let him see it through.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kebby, you too. And we knew that there was going to be a bit of change last year. I think similar deal with what you said in Peyton, but in different circumstances. I don't think he did himself any favours early, doors, in terms of what he said. We should be playing finals. I saw this problem. We can turn it around. Right, right, and then... Not too long after, it's like, oh, well, look what I've inherited. Look at these players. You know, look, we had to get rid of these guys, or he moved on these guys. It's like, hold on a minute. You've moved on some of these blokes. You've made some of these changes, and some of the early comments probably didn't help him out, but they definitely did the right thing in terms of a restructure. The GM, Donaghy, getting Icon in, getting guys around him, because it was clearly way too much for him to be handling all those things and all those tasks and roles at once. So I think now he's purely allowed to focus on football, uh, they cleaned things up a little bit roster-wise. They made a couple of decent signings in the off-season. They brought in a couple of premiership winners. They got him a halfback. Um, to start this year, effort overall been better from Brisbane. Yeah. Um, you see some positives there. Can definitely look at the situation and see some improvement, but you're also still seeing too many patches or too many moments there where I guess they leak points. They're not in games for long enough. And probably the same problem that people complain about before, you're looking at some of these guys going, when's the penny going to drop? Yeah, We've been looking at a couple of these guys for three or four seasons now. And the only consistent one that seems to be there every single week is Payne Haas. Stags the last two weeks has been good, but the first four are on the back of big money. Not the situation. So I guess when we sort of said this last year, because we weren't big on, I guess, the Kev hiring in the first place, is they just need to, plain and simple here, it's not about finals, it's not about... Premierships right now figure out that with the transition of their squad, with these guys, with the changes they've made, is he the right person to develop them moving forward? Or was this just a pressure hire? Because obviously, like we said, management Well, again,
2: the proof's going to be in the pudding. They.
1: Management's changed somewhat. They employed
2: him via an election, an election of the older players. And I thought that was a wrong decision because I I didn't think they did their due, due diligence. In terms of interviewing other pro- uh, coaches and going through a process, but again, now he's there, you sort of got to let him let him go. You know, I think at the end of this year, if he's if they're not in the top eight, then he's going to come under some pressure,
1: definitely. Mm. And like we said again, I think uh, the moves they've made and the talent that's supposed to be there, and I guess my thing was just some of the comment he made earlier about where they should be and what they've got there. It was pretty quick to backtrack on that last year mm. somewhat, so. Uh, it's been an up and down start this year. They've had a lot of changes in the first few weeks, but there's definitely been a lot more effort. Again, the other night at Penrith, again, there was certainly a, a, a fair crack given for, say, the first 50 or so minutes, but still not really acceptable to get lit up by 40 in the last 25, 30. Mm. So like we said before, I guess the bigger thing for them is not about so much now, but the direction they're heading. Do they think he is a coach that can get them playing finals football, developing their younger players while they're, sorting out now recruitment, retention, off-field, like all that is now under control. His sole focus now is coaching NRL Rugby League. So if all that is in place, is he the right person? And similar to what you're saying, I guess we get to the back end of this year, I think he's one that probably a bit like Hook, gets a little bit more scrutiny or he gets looked at a bit more harder because for them, it's going to be an exercise in futility if they just go another 12 months for no reason. If internally what we don't see, they look at and go, yeah, no you're probably an assistant or you're someone we, we could have around in a different capacity, but you're not a head NRL coach. But um, yeah, we'll see how the results pan out there. Nathan Brown, it's year two at the Warriors. And um, I was probably pretty supportive early on in the fact that I don't think anyone's really got a harder job in terms of their pre-seasons, the circumstances they're in. They were split last year. Some guys were in New Zealand, some guys were here. They've been on the road for a couple of years. They're guys that went home, guys that come back. They haven't had the cleanest run in terms of injuries, but I think given all the circumstances... Well, the Warriors have moved on 100 coaches, Mm.
2: and nothing really seems to change. And the circumstances that they're faced with now are the hardest that the franchise has ever faced. So I think they need to stick strong.
1: Yeah, Mm. and I think in terms of roster moves that him and Pedro Sullivan particularly made last year, there were some positive ones. I think their big challenge now is a couple of the guys that they've brought on board while well, they've been in this bubble that aren't New Zealand-based. Uh, you've seen you and Aiken agree to a mutual release. We know that there's talk about Reece Walsh that we don't know about yet. Could potentially work against them once they end up going back to New Zealand, which, you know, it's pretty sad to think. Like, you know, that if someone's only signed, given the fact that they can stay in Australia for the time being, like, that's that comes with the territory. If you yeah. sign with the Warriors, you're expecting to live in New Zealand at some stage. Yeah. So... Uh, there's they're sort of things outside of their control at this point in time but they've agreed to the Ewan Aiken one I guess that's on the back of knowing that Murata Niakore is coming next year so they've got somebody already in place there they had an announcement today that Mitch Barnett someone he had at Newcastle is getting a release a year early to join the Warriors for three years from next year on mm-hmm. um, so that's probably another one that sort of counteracts the situation with you and Aiken moving on so sort of a couple of guys in, in a key position there I, I think They've made some smart value buys as well. Curran was one that was at the Roosters that sort of went on the radar. He's been really, really good. You know They've got plenty coming to their own system during the hard time in COVID and not being able to play in these junior systems. They've promoted some guys and got them up in to their squad. I think getting Johnson back, why so far I don't think he's played his best football, I think it was a good decision just to unite, get him back at this point in time. I think they definitely got value for money. Um, But I, I just hope and pray that they get to the middle of this year, 50-50, get Tohu Harris and a couple more guys back on board that are injured at the moment, and then head back to New Zealand and feed um, off those crowds and then head into a big season next year. Yeah. But, interesting to see how that Walsh situation plays out, because that's yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely a big thing moving forward for them. Huge. Um, the best part. And I think for the Warriors, it's a bit like the Ponga situation again, if you like Brown, to be burned twice, in a way where you took such a gamble on somebody and, pushed all in, a lot of people thought he was mad and then you sort of get burned by that player and then again here, realising what Brisbane had and they weren't even going to put him in their top 30 and he puts his nuts on the line, signs him up to a good deal, gets him over and in less than 12 months he's talking about going back to the place that, you know, overlooked him somewhat because you don't want to move and or going to another Queensland-based club. If I'm the Warriors, this is one of those ones that I look at like we talked about before where I'm not letting him go unless I'm getting something back. Yeah. So if it does end up being your Gold Coast Titans or if Brisbane do somehow get it back and it's going to be, oh, you know, I don't want to move and it's compassionate grounds, I'm like, okay, well, we want cash, we want players, we want something because we've contracted you, we got you your opportunity, we brought you over, we paid, we took that risk, we want something in return. This is not a situation where we're just going to go, oh, yeah, we're going to give away generational talent because you've suddenly had a change in heart because of the circumstances of living. You know, don't suit you now. After yeah. we rolled the dice to get you out of that club that overlooked you in the first place. But I don't think Brown can be under any pressure until they're back in New Zealand, in all honesty. No. It's a very hard job. Mm. Uh, Maguire, Madge Maguire, I was I was honestly happy to see him get a win on the weekend and see his reaction. And I think that, again, like a lot of people took out of the show Tiger Town last year, he genuinely cares he generally tries hard every single day. He busts his ass. There's no question questioning his effort and his intent and his passion to try and win. And we've gone through it before, so I think most people would understand this circumstance. If they fire him, I think it's more a circumstance of who do you think you're gonna get for that club? Because all those other things that we know about that you're working against. Like when he's at South, you've got good board good help around you, good recruitment, good coach. Like There's so many good things going for you that when you're a good coach and you push things in the right direction, everything else gets behind you. This situation for him would be the first time outside of Wigan, Melbourne and anywhere he's been where it feels like you're heading in the opposite direction or everything around you is just pulling you down. And I said it the other way. I think Sheen's is a positive in terms of helping him in recruitment, retention, junior development, and one of the first things pushing in the right way. But for four years, I'm not going to defend all his recruitment decisions, but that's also part of the situation of Ben at a club like the Tigers. I think a a lot of things have been working against him. Of course. So our bigger question here, like we said before, you fire someone like him there, you're not getting a veteran, you're not getting a top of the food chain coach, you'd want to be very much sold on a rookie. And the only name that comes to mind, if this is a situation by the end of this year where they go, all right, we're done, regardless of results, regardless of where we're heading, and it was linked there last year, Bit like Barrett going to the Bulldogs, though. You get the credit from the situation at Penrith, which Cerrado is getting a lot of credit for the defense, this, that, and the other. But I err on the side of caution again, much like a lot of Melbourne assistants. He, he
2: won't want to. He won't want to go there.
1: Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> I said that if I was Barrett, I wouldn't have left Penrith. But it's also easy to look at guys at those clubs and go, "Well, he's the reason for that." Everyone said it was Barrett. Well, I think their attacks doing pretty fucking good without Barrett. Well,
2: it, it, it's it's not that. It's also Cattle.
1: Exactly. But that's it's the, the point. The cattle. Yeah. I like, oh, it's Barrett. It wasn't Ivan, Ivan enough to do it. Year It's like, well, there's a, there's a fair few things going into the fact that they're, they're defending the way they are. They're attacking the way they are. Coaches definitely contribute to it, but handy cattle definitely helps. Yeah. But for Sorraldo, West Tigers to Penrith is literally the biggest end of the scale. Two completely different poles. It is the biggest difference in situation in terms of support, staff, GM, recruitment, junior development, everything we just talked about, if he was to go take that job. And I don't see a veteran out there, if they part, that Sheen's or someone's going to convince to go and take that job. There wouldn't be many there. Green or some of these guys, people might look at again and everyone says, you'd be mad, you take any and all job you can get. But I think if they looked at what Not Maguire... What if you got choice. Yeah, I think if you look at what Maguire's gone through the last years and there's someone like Flanagan who's probably had a look at a few of these jobs, I'd be a lot more patient than taking a Tigers job if I'm a premiership winning coach like a Flanagan or a Green premiership premiership the Tigers are not a place I'd be looking to go it's going to be a rookie this one Mm. he is legitimately under pressure rightly or wrongly I don't know what way it's going to go but no I'm the Tigers it wouldn't surprise me if Madge wasn't there at the end of this season I don't agree with it, but yeah. I'm just saying. If the, out of all the ones we've talked about, a lot of them are year two, a lot of them are circumstantial. Yeah, again, let's just say. But about. when people are talk about, oh, who's this? I don't like. He's generally under pressure, but again, I think they've at the end of time, they've
2: got to come back. Things might get better.
1: Yeah, at yeah, the end is. of the day, I think there's a lot of stuff there. Again, where but, do they need to finish for him not to get fired? That's what I want to know. I don't know. They the the talk that we spoke about was he was all but fired. had a statement ready to go until they had Sheen's on board. So I I honestly don't well, know. And they
2: also started to think about who they're going to get.
1: So, um, and the last one I had here, out of all those names was Barrett, who was brought up after all the talk about being the Messiah of attack. And they went there and they bought some high, high profile players and Dean Pay had done a lot of the shovel work and things didn't get much better. Um, and this year again, They've recruited big again. You brought in Fox, you bring in Burton, you bring in Dufty, you bring in Vaughan, you bring in Pungai Jr. And the results are still heading in the same direction. Then Gus Gould comes on board, which, as I said, uh, is something that immediately would worry me because after looking at what happened at Penrith and his influence and then the comments the other week about Flanagan, uh, you never know what's around the corner with Gus. You never know what's around the corner. But if you're Barrett and you've heavily recruited for two seasons... Is this a possibility again that he's one of these guys that maybe doesn't get a third year? Out mm. of all these guys we're talking about, because circumstantially, I don't think I don't think anyone's recruited. Gus
2: has said he's our coach. I'm backing him. Da-da-da-da. That's what he says publicly. You're just going to trust what he says publicly. Mm. I don't know what else you can do. You can speculate all you want. Their results aren't going to be great because they're not a great team. Again, like a cattle, yeah, cattle's cattle. So they're going to struggle. Again, where do they need to finish for him not to get fired and not to be under pressure? Well, they're gonna—they're probably going to be bottom four. They're one and five at the moment, so they're definitely going to be in the bottom of the eight. And it also—it also comes back to what are the expectations of the Bulldogs in terms of that roster. So they think it's a top eight roster, because if they do, they're—they're kidding themselves.
1: Mm. I think a few fans had higher expectations than what they probably should have. Well,
2: I thought I thought they would have finished ninth to twelfth. Yeah, that's where I expected them to finish, and they still may well finish there. But at the moment, they're not playing like a ninth to twelfth side. Is yeah. that coaching or is that cattle? I think it's probably more cattle than it is coaching.
1: And uh, that's the question we come to again. though. with a heavy recruitment drive for two years now, do you think he's getting the best, the most out of what he has? And I think that's the question with a lot of these teams. Or,
2: well, they might be 1-5, but they're certainly competing in
1: a lot of games. Mm. But outside of all those, and like we said under pressure, I guess the bigger thing is what we said, who are the candidates? So I think your, your big name that's been there for a year and a bit that I'm waiting for to emerge for a job once a good job comes up is still Shane Flanagan. I think Flanagan would be one of the best hires if there was going to be someone getting hired. Paul Green... He's not long removed. He's a premiership winner that obviously supposedly didn't end in the best of circumstances, but we've seen guys get hired multiple times who certainly weren't premiership-winning coaches. Uh, And then in terms of some rookie options that have come up, we know Serraldo's name was mentioned in line with the Sharks to try and get him over there to be an assistant. He was mentioned with the Tigers before they held on with Madge Maguire and then probably the other name that's on the periphery after a couple of years over in the Super League doing a little bit of what Holbrook did where you coach over here, then you go... Probably get your opportunity to, to run a club and at the same club, mind you, uh, that was where Holbrook was, wasn't it? St. Helens? Yeah. Is now Christian Wolf. And has Christian Wolf won the last two yeah. Super League titles? Yeah. So he's another one who's probably done some time here, now gone overseas, taken over as a team, um, gone through a bit of transition, won a couple of comps, they're back on top, equal first again this year. So that's probably the spectrum out. I, I, I can't think of many other. Veteran names that are in the limelight, off the top of my head, besides Green and Flanagan, um, that have been removed in time, you, you could say McGregor or Kidwell's another guy. Like, there is a lot of guys that sort of out there have been in the proofer for a while, but yeah, I think you are probably two big veteran names would be Green or Flanagan, and then two of your, your rookie sort of names. Schrader's one who's obviously had a heap of hype around him for a long time now, and the other's probably Wolf, who's taken a step overseas to try and show that he can coach and run a team and be the head honcho, and he, he's had success. Again, that's what we're talking about for these clubs. So, if you're a Dragons and you already get, you know, 18 months in and it's not going in the direction you want to, who do you go to? Do you know that it's going to be a Flanagan or do you go with a rookie? Or if you're the Tigers after four years, are you confident that you can move on from Maguire and get a Green or a Flanagan and want to come there? Or are you sold on one of these young guys and you're going to give them the time again to reset again? Or if you're Brisbane, who is a very big club. Um, and you do look at Kev and go, all right. this is not working, was Paul Green the option who was supposedly involved in the role last time but didn't really get a look in? Or is Flanagan somebody that you look at and go, oh, look what he did at the Sharks, building that junior pathway and getting guys through and building a sort of style that we think we can be successful? This is the thing that we're talking about. You've got to look at the situation, look at the players, look at what's going on at the club. Have we given you know this person all we can give? Are they maximising... You know, with what they've got in this situation, are they heading in the right direction? And I think for a lot of those guys, probably second year, there's only one or two that are probably a little bit more under the microscope just because of where they are and the jobs they've had previously. But, yeah, there were some questions around about a few of the other guys. Um, I don't know. If you had to say right now one person that won't be coaching at the club at the end of the year...
2: Oh, Madge is the obvious it'd be
1: Madge. And I think again.
2: Only I'd only say that because they're... Their last, and he's he's probably the longest tenured, isn't he? Besides, and they Ricky. tried to fire him last year. I, I don't know.
1: Well, idea. Everyone else is two years. Stewart's not getting fired. Stewart's nine, but there's been questions like he's never come under the gun. They've only made the finals two of those seasons, or like they've got to a grand final, they have got to a prelim, etc. So well, three times, sorry, out of the nine. So a lot of people are saying, well, yeah. if it doesn't work out again this year, what are we doing? But same deal. We like said who you're replacing it with, who wants to go down to Canberra. I think it's in a pretty good spot to be honest. Um, barring one or two moves you could probably make to get things back on track. The hardest thing for Canberra though is if you're not producing talent or you're not bringing it in from spots like when they were with England for a few years, it's pretty hard to get a marquee to go to Mm.
2: Canberra.
1: Similar to these situations. But yeah, we've had a lot of talk recently. A lot of people have messaged, a lot of people have asked about coaching situations, hiring, firing. Again, there was a few that we didn't agree with initially in terms of who they hired, but I think you, you basically admit defeat if you're a club if you're firing someone within two years, I think, and yeah. you're basically putting your hand up and saying, well, we did make a mistake. But the most obvious, I'm with you. It's probably Maguire and a lot of that, again, um, circumstantial and where he's at. Out of anyone in terms of these guys that are at a club that are only year number two, that I think a lot of pressure will come just because of the clubs, just because of what, who they are and where they are, I think it would be the Dragons or the Broncos. There's a lot of noise around both those clubs all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's sort of a deep dive in, into the coaching <clears throat> circus. But, yeah, and then your options are probably what we said there. You, you think of anyone else off the top of your head that would be coming through that's a veteran or any rookie coaches you know of? No. Wolf, <clears throat> Cerrado, Green, Flanagan. That's probably that next cycle.
2: Yeah, they don't tend to give a lot of young guys opportunities. So.
1: I don't know, probably a few people sitting here listening and we well, haven't mentioned Jason Riles or a couple of these other sort of assistants. I look at them and just think they're in a situation similar deal. They're not going to take a job unless it's a really good job. I think a Riles, who's at the Roosters right now, will be sitting on that apprenticeship, much like Fitzgibbon did. And he was at Melbourne. He was mentioned for the Melbourne job. I think there's a few guys out there you won't see take a job. When does
2: Adam O'Brien come under pressure?
1: Well, that's another one that hasn't really been mentioned given the situation. But is this year three?
2: I think he's under pressure, especially if they don't keep Ponga. It won't be a good indictment on him as a coach. Probably a lot hinges on his future around what Calen Ponger does.
1: Well, two years of the finals, beaten week one. It's you know, it's it's taken a step further from what Brown's done building that side up, but they haven't really progressed. And mm-hmm. then I guess on terms of what you're saying, on top of that, moving on from Pierce, they've definitely had some injury issues this yeah, year. Yeah,
2: they certainly don't look like they're going
1: up. Later. They're, they're letting, letting like they're Barnett go. Some of those kids that we've been waiting to come through, and a lot of really pushed through since Brown did that first cycle. So. Yeah, you're probably in a fair circumstance. I guess for him, I think he'd get a bit of a pass for this year, though. Finals two years in a row. Mm. Pierce gone, Braley, Achilles. The Ponga situation's more club-induced than it is him. They gave those claws in that situation away, but I think if uh, they missed the eight this year and they had headed next year missing a couple of troops and don't bring many on board, it'd be year four. He'd certainly be looking down the barrel. If uh, they look and go, well, this pathway was rebuilt, we had some guys here, and we've slowly gone backwards. So I think similar deal. He probably gets a pass mark for this season. But I think next year, if uh, they're out of the eight, you're right. He'd certainly be one who's looking down the barrel as well. well there you go. bit of a deep dive into coaching. Um, for a lot of people that are asking about situations in Horrors, and again, it's just not that simple to go fire a year all the time. Fire this guy, I've lost a couple of guys, fire. It's like, okay. Well, where do we go from here? And then what's the knock-on effect in terms of internal staff and physios and trainers and assistants and structure and junior pathways and development? It's a really big thing. But I guess on the flip side, like we said, if you think you've made a mistake very early on in the piece, I think you're better off just biting down your mouth gun. And that's why when you hear stuff, you know, about Brisbane, were hesitant to give that extension, you know, and they've ended up giving it, but there's supposedly clauses we don't know about. And then you've got the Dragon situation where they give an extension, but then you're already hearing talk about release figures. You're like, well, what are you doing then? Well, it's not really stuff you want to be hearing less than just over 12 months into having a coach come on board. Yeah, and there you go. There's a deep dive for our set of six to kick off this week. Let's review the games brought to you by bluebet.com.au. Cowboys Raiders, the old adage of the faders has come back in, Brock, and not in a good way. Round one, we seen them buck that trend where last year they kept losing those games and they stole one back off the Sharks. Um, And then they had a good comeback against your mob, the Titans. But since then, there's been a couple of poor performances and this one... 12-0, 12-0, pretty dominant the first half. Some opportunities they didn't take advantage of in the second half. They just felt they all the
2: possession. First half was possession, so was second half. And they were two pretty average teams, really. Um, yeah, the, the Raiders just don't look like they can score points. They're, they're missing a driver. They rely heavily on Whiten. And, yeah, they're just missing someone to direct them and organise them around the field, which is a true reflection of where they're at as a, as a team at the moment. Cowboys are good enough to come over them in the second half, which is good for them, obviously. But, um, yeah, as I said, I think they've had some favourable favourable teams to face in their draw, so I want to see them play some tougher sides and do well against them before I push all in on the Cowboys. But, yeah, Canberra in a world of hurt at the moment. They don't have points. They're, they've got players who are in key positions, not in form, they're really struggling at the fullback position. Whiten, yeah, he's not the man to lead you around the park. So, you know, he's a little bit one-dimensional. But that's who he is. He needs he needs middles rolling forward, and he needs a half that's going to direct the team around. And you know they're not getting a lot of impact out of nine because they're not they're not rolling through the middle. So it's, it seems like an easy fix for Canberra, but it's actually it's actually not.
1: Well, I actually think and so.
2: You can find some dominant middles
1: they that's the biggest thing though. They're not consistent across the eighty. They started off dominant. To pine Papalia rolling, Sterling jumps out, scores an easy try. He's probing that gets Jack on the front foot. I just don't think they can play for eighty. Like I know the seven. Well, part. they can.
2: They just need to learn how to play under adversity. They want to when they're they're flat track bullies at the moment. When everything's rolling their way and they've got the footy, they look good. But as soon as the team punches them in the mouth and cycles a bit with them, they they can't go with it.
1: No, I think their pack's really letting them down because, like you said the other night on the way out, when you watched it, Papali had a great first half. Second half had a couple of errors. The Pine, again, hitting me... Like, within games, to be so different in periods is just crazy. Like well, Just be consistent across the game. Gould has been disappointing. Horsberg didn't have his greatest game. There's a few guys, uh, obviously... Letting him down, and again, I've I've said it for weeks now. I understand the chance thing, and I chance did this a few years ago for us. But it's like, well, you are lacking some sort of spark, and he even addressed it his own press conference. He mentioned some weaknesses about Clockstad and mentioned you know that first play where he's across the sideline. Well, for me, like you're carrying a fucking outside back, he's your kid, and you throw him on with 15 minutes to go. He tried to make a play. Was it a smart one? No. But trying to drip him into at at the same time, like you don't carry him into first grade. You don't carry him to put on the last 15 minutes. Like, what are you doing? Just play him or don't play him. That's a position. He's not a forward. It's not a nine. It's not someone where it's a shared role. You're either committing to him being one of your wings or your fullback, to me, or he's not in your team. Mm. And again, weaknesses or not, chances doesn't have any weaknesses. There's not points of difference between their game. I've said it a million times before. What Chance brings to me in his game in terms of his effort, his work, and his carries could be achieved in other positions. I think at fullback, he doesn't offer enough strings to his butt. Savage, despite all his weaknesses, has speed to burn, can ball play, can put a kick in for it. There's going to be errors, there's going to be, you know, things go wrong, but given where they are right now, I'd rather see him playing at one, just throwing caution to the wind and, and bringing something different for Canberra because right now, Jack's doing everything, like you said, off his own bat at times when they do roll forward and Starling can get out. But other than that, there's not a whole lot happening. They need a spark plug somewhere. Mm. And I, I don't see how the wing's going to solve that for him where he's just going to get bashed, carrying out of yardage. I want him in the backfield, behind every ruck, playing as the one. Mm. they got Rapana there this weekend. He's leaned on him a few times before. I know three or four years ago, or you know, we saw patches where he played there when he had younger legs. I don't know if that's the move now. It might work for a few weeks, but he's not going to maintain that for a whole season playing fullback. Not at this point in time. So this is, again, what I'm saying. When, when do you make the decision? Just transition now. Put Savage in. But Uh, Cowboys, some signs again. Uh, At least, you know, hanging in. They didn't crumble. They had some good periods of their own there. Uh, Tom Malolo was absolutely outstanding. Certainly looks like they've sorted that situation. I like Holmes coming in from the centre spot. He's not just sitting there. They're utilising him around the ball. He had a couple of really nice moments. That try he scored uh, when they got some second phase and broke Canberra down when he got onto the post. was great. Um, and like the back rowers. I really like the back rowers. I like Lukey. I like Nenoy. Nenoy is, again, I, I, the other week when I talk talking 600 grand, multiple years, all these offers, whoever his manager is, I think smart decision. Just stay there for a year. He's from up there. Extend like you're young. Learn how to play football. Learn how to play first grade. <laughs> You've got plenty of years ahead chasing a huge contract at, again, a random club, depending on the circumstances, the coach and where you're going. Like, there's a lot of things that have to be taken into consideration if you're going to get an 18-year-old, four- or five-year contract, $600,000. If it's to go to the Tigers, if it's to go to Newcastle, if it's to go to a bottom club, you're setting him up far. If you're in a good situation, you're at home, you're a local kid, a 12-month extension to consider your options is not a bad idea. Um, but, yeah, I think the drink-water move is showing to be a good idea again. Holmes, Tom Milo, like you said, there's a lot of guys. in Cotter, Cotter now that he's healthy, I think he makes some good contributions too to that side. Um, But third win of the season for them. They've been in every game, really, besides that Roosters game. So looking forward to seeing them uh, mid-year and where they are and then what happens come origin time if Holmes or a couple of guys get picked. Next one up was Souths against the Bulldogs. And I thought the Dogs certainly were up for it early after they got the four-pointer and then they had another one there where they were held up. So uh, they were right up in the fight. Sioux were fairly loose, uh, but that Sinbin really flipped the game on its head. That led to three tries. really, really hurt. Yeah, I didn't see
2: a lot of this game. But um, yeah, watch, watch the mini and yeah, same old story for the Bulldogs. They can't compete for 80. And Sioux have played some good quality teams and they just look the class above. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, I think. You can
2: talk about the Sinbin all you want. Yeah, well, I don't think that was going to make the result any
1: closer. No. Well, some people are calling for a consistency again. Well, why did we see oh, that well, one like, there and not other games? But That's what, that's, yeah. We mentioned the C word every single week. Uh, but you're not going to get it. In that circumstance, yeah. The one was called. Uh, I was watching it without the sound and was in and out, so I don't really know if there was a warning because other people bring up, oh, was there the warning? I don't know. But at the same time, if you're pushing rock and fringe inside the 20, that should be the standard. That's what we've been wanting to see the last few weeks. Is been. it,
2: is it, is it, uh, you call it for consistency because it's the wrong decision? No, you're calling for consistency because it's the right decision, but it doesn't always happen in that circumstance. Nah, and it hasn't so been happening. That doesn't mean that that decision's wrong. Just because you call it for people calling for consistency doesn't mean that decision is wrong.
1: No, nah, I think if you're a dogs fan again early on, you'd be happy with the effort, but yeah. Really got hard from there. That happened. They conceded the three tries. Patolo and Jackson had a sickening head clash. Like It all sort of went backwards from there. Uh, they finished off with a couple of late tries. But if I'm a South fan, like we said, really tough draw to start off with. And this probably was a good confidence builder for a couple of guys. Well, of like course. we said, Cook hasn't played the best football the last 18 months. To grab a hat-trick, hopefully lights a bit of fire under his ass. I think Taff, bloody... A la Adam Reynolds. Six from six with a booty. Kicked like an absolute bloody... He was a sniper. They're Cody also Walker. They're playing without their best player. Yeah. and Again, they've had changes each week. Latrell's been missing. Ilias is still learning. Again, really love his confidence. He got into the line there for one of those tries where, honestly, he could not get any deeper and he put Campbell Graham through space. Cody's slowly getting better. He had a few nice passes. So, again, just a confidence builder for them. And those same couple of guys every week, just battling away. Kalama Tungi, Cam Murray, Liam Knight. After some bad injuries, he had a really big impact off the bench. So, uh, if you're a Souths fan, there were some positives coming out of that game. If you're a Dogs fan, uh, again, it's tough, and it's it's only going to get tougher. But I think as long as they persist, at least with this halves pairing for now, that's their their best situation. And um, I guess you probably just want a little bit more out of your forward pack pun guy. Threw one over the sideline and was a bit more in a passing mood. You just need to run first. It's what we talked about before about guys like offload or pass. Priority first needs to be get in the line, create damage. Offload needs to be second priority. Run, run to run to run, not run to pass. Yeah, um, but yeah, tough day for the dogs. Penrith Broncos. We attended this one. The Broncos certainly gave more they could handle for the first fifty or so. But like when Penrith put the foot on the throat at the back end, there it just yeah. It, it when was the
2: brutal. Broncos fell away, when the Broncos were up, they were up. They looked good. They probably got the better of Penrith for certain periods of time. Mm. Kicked well, chased well, built pressure, defended their line well. You know, Penrith were probably a little bit ill-disciplined and might have thought that the points were just going to come, but they 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 did eventually. The Broncos fell away once Penrith really you know, put the Jets on, but, uh, yeah, the result we expected probably wasn't the start we expected. Brisbane, I thought Brisbane could take a lot out of that game. They were they were really, really good. That's as much, as good as I've seen a Brisbane side compete with a, a contender in a very, very long time. So, particularly away from home, good Friday. Like, it was a big occasion. Uh, yeah, good performance. So, Broncos wouldn't be happy with how many they leaked late, but there's a lot of positive they can take out of that game.
1: Mm. And then uh, not a good thing. You'll lose Tessie. They said originally, hopefully a strain. Then they were saying possibly grade three, 10 weeks. Now they're saying possibly surgery in season. So um, another change there. I haven't seen the lineup, but apparently there's a big reshuffle this week within their spine again. So instability and change there constantly is never a good thing. Um, Stags had another one of those weeks where it's good to see him on the ball and aggressive. Reynolds put some nice kicks in. I think Palliot, uh Ken and Palisina despite the slap-off he had with Dylan Edwards, has been under the radar a little bit to start the year for them. I think he's been pretty solid. Yeah, But for Penrith, it was, uh, you could name a bunch of players. But I think, again, I'm more impressed with the fact that it's, it's the guys that have come in. The job that Taylan's doing, the job that Taygo's done for such a young kid. Sorensen, his improvement now, year two, and his impact. I think Martin's getting better in that starting role. Fish had a bigger game. He's building his minutes back up. Cleary, I think it's game three back, had his best night, some assists, and he had the ball on a string kicking-wise. So Penrith are just building nicely. And if they 6-0 yeah. and o here, they'll get to that origin period. They'll be in a position again like last year to rest guys and taper off a little bit and make sure they manage their way through that period um, and then, you know, strap the, the, the Jets back on, hopefully to have a run at the back end of the season. But the groundwork they're laying now is more important than anything. If they get to the origin period again, nine or ten wins. Um, you only need a handful more than to get yourself into the finals. And then, yeah, you position yourself to be somewhere in the top four. And I don't think it matters where. If they're in the top four, they're a premiership contender, Mm. plain and simple. So good spot to be if you're a Panther fan. Manly Titans. This is just another one of the games where they either jump out to a lead or they miss the jump.
2: And, yeah, they can't play for 80 they're a good team they're a top 8 team but they can't play for 80
1: so. no and, and I think again there was some good good stuff on both sides of the ball I thought they didn't look too bad I thought man, they defended really well to stop some opportunities that the Titans had early and then on the flip side they denied Manly a few times in the second half and they were real desperate and their their attack certainly improved but it's just same deal again not playing for 40 minutes or playing for 50 minutes not playing for 80 mm-hmm. the consistency across the 80 and um, you know I think I've been a big critic of Fafita. I think the last two weeks he's been a lot better, not just because he's had a couple of freak moments, but his overall involvement, where, again, they do need to get him the ball, but he also needs to find it. He's had 13, 14 touches the last two weeks. He's had a couple of freak moments. He's not missing tackle. Like His overall game's been much better, I think. Um, Tino's always been leading from the front, but I, I guess, again, the decision to go with a young spine and make some changes there and Clark at nine, and I think... Jaden Campbell would certainly help out in terms of a bit more creativity because Zarco like is more purely a runner. Uh, would help with their spine right now, but I think that's one of the other bigger things. In, in these games right now, such a young spine, it's a learning experience and they're certainly learning. Then, mm. you know, you come up against the halves pairing like DC and Foreign and Missing Turbo, and they're the difference. Cher kicks well, sneaks that one through for the koatu. Fire and pulled their pants down twice on the left edge when they were passive and turned out. And then the second time, he just slides inside and scores himself. And you guys come home like an absolute freight train, but uh, they're able to hold on. Yeah, it's easy to score points
2: late in garbage time.
1: So Holbrook made that comment.
2: 15 to go, they, they were down six and looked in the game, but then...
1: Penalty goal. Yeah. Two-score game. But um, for Manly, i probably guess for us, the big question mark we had was without Turbo. And um, they've won two, so yeah. good start to that period without him. And put themselves in a position again where if you can get through the four weeks, the initial time that was spoke about, and you've won two and two, or you go three and one, that, that's a really good result for them. Yeah. Um, LOEA looked to have picked up a bit of an off, but he certainly made a difference. We said this last week, oh, to this year once Schuster gets back, to get those dynamic edges, and I think Paseca and Walker off the bench the last two weeks have been great as well, so... Some uh, positives there for Manly. Melbourne Sharks certainly lost no respect for the Sharks after this game.
2: I gained more respect. They were good. They just couldn't seem to pin Melbourne down for long periods of time. They, you know, they'd score a try and build some pressure and then it'd be released through the Melbourne's good play, um, or just circumstances in the game. But yeah, they they're if they're not a top. Top four side there are, you know, top six side, definitely the Sharks. I'm not sure how, you know, how where they'll fall as the year goes on, but they're not falling any lower than that. They were, um, yeah, they were very, very good. I thought that was Melbourne's best performance of the year by a mile as well, so they certainly lifted for the occasion.
1: And I think on both sides, there's some circumstances as well. Like, they lost Nakora and Katoa coming into it. It's a bit foreign for McKinnis to be on the edge, and we saw that when Munster got outside of him and he did the old Superman dive. Um, They lost Ueli, which looks like that's going to be an extended period. And Dale got KO'd early. And then you look at Melbourne. Melbourne come in without the Bromwich brothers. And then prior to that, Tui hasn't played. Welch has done his Achilles. And I think Bellamy sort of mentioned in the press conference after that he was really happy with his starting third because he didn't really want to lean on the bench. And they didn't. No. They gave a couple of guys 15 minute stints, a 20 minute stint. I think Alec McDonald was the only guy who got a full, you know two runs in a middle rotation there, and he asked big minutes of Nelson, who's generally only playing 30s to 40 max. He played 50-plus, I think. Um, Smith played in the front row. So a lot was asked of a few guys there, and they certainly delivered. And I guess video as well gives you some things to work on. They clearly liked to play at Hines, much like the Sharks did some video and thought they had a good matchup against... Melbourne's right edge which they cut open a few times there with Sifatala those long shifts to Kennedy and getting out to Mulitala. they got Smith and Coates on that edge of the field off a few times mm. um, but Melbourne also no surprise when you've had someone in your system got it at Nico a couple of times once Munster just beat him clean on the outside and sold to Ramian and there was also the scrum play where Nico over committed to Jerome Hughes who wrapped around early and they just put Olam through a gaping hole so um, I think those two teams when they play, I don't know if they play again later in the year, but I bloody hope they do because mm. it was a really good matchup. It was a good game of football um, and I'd like to see them when they're both full strength because like I said, um, they've lost you early. Dale went early. They'll get back Nakora and Katoa this week. Wade Graham's not far off how he slots in. I don't know. And for Melbourne, you put the Bromwich brothers back in. If the 2 situation gets resolved, Like it's it's a matchup I want to watch again. It was a yeah. good game of football. Of course. Of um, course. And a good result overall, but yeah, plenty of talk out of this one. Munster, that's the sort of performance that's worth that sort of money. But regardless of what anyone wants to say, Melbourne's not going to pay that kind of money. I think the offer for them will go up from where it initially started, but at the end of the day, it's going to have to be a decision of, do you want top dollar or do you want to stay there and win, win football games? Mm. Because they are prioritised having multiple guys stay on board rather than one or two. They've got three of them locked in. I'm sure those goalposts will move, but... At the end of the day, if they get to say 850, 900 plus maybe some third parties, but it's one point two long term somewhere off Redcliffe. He's just going to have to decide what matters most. Do you want to go there and establish a new club and you know be at the foundation of, or you know, foundation of building something, or do you want to stay there and try and build on the legacy that's been put forth before you and work with those few guys and continue the success that they've had down there? Yeah. There's no doubt someone's going to pay him, but it's just not going to be Melbourne to the, that extent. Yeah. Uh, But he was very, very good. And Harry, um, Nelson, and yeah, for the Sharks, like I said, Talakai, and those OBs, the meters they get there, Kennedy, um, there was some really good performances there. Certainly, like I said, gained a lot more respect after that performance and look forward to watching them continue to improve. Roosters, Warriors, um, it wasn't pretty again by the Roosters. Still. Yeah, clunky. Still looking at the Roosters and surprised, but they found a way to win four games. Um, And, to be honest, I'm not really one of these people that like to complain. I know there's a lot of unhappy people on the weekend, seeing plenty of stuff about a lot of calls and games and moments and decisions, but I sort of thought the Warriors got the raw end of the deal on this one. Um, not That doesn't mean they win, and Brown, to his credit, said as much. The referees didn't cost us the game. Um, but on the flip of that, yeah, I, I thought there was a few calls that may be a bit rough. Mm. Um, I thought Teddy possibly could have been bin that moment there. Definitely is one where you look at it and go, well, that's a possibility, but overall, I look at the Warriors and go off what I said before. I think there's been some good moments, but there's been some instability early on, but same deal again this week. Like Lodge misses this week. He's in and out every single week. When's Tohu Harris coming back? Get those couple of guys in there consistently with Fanua Blake, who's a top three prop, you know, in the competition and one of the best on his day. Get those moments of brilliance out of Walsh, like at the back end of the game where he breaks through on tackle five and puts that banana kick through and they just complete maybe a little bit higher. If, if they're an 80% completion team with their yardage, their pack, and a couple of those guys back in, they're a danger to anyone on any given day. Yeah. No doubt. But similar deal to a lot of teams. Consistency across the 80 minutes, week to week, and stability within their lineup, which hasn't been there, given the circumstances they're under, it's hard week to week. But I just have my fingers crossed that their health stays solid until they can get a Tohu Harris back on board get Sean Johnson back up to speed after, you know, an injury shortened year last year, and then find yourself a bit of balance and, you know, have Walsh, Tavita Harris, him, Egan, solid spine for a few weeks, Lodge, and Fenua Blake, fig- figure out their edges because they've made a few changes there. Harris, who you know is just a guy that tightens everything up, offers you a bit of second phase and link play through the middle, just stability for a good four, six week period with all those guys that are healthy and firing. Um, to their credit, I think they've been pretty good most weeks so far. They've been in every game. But the Roosters, um, yeah, um, I don't know. There were some changes again. They got Swali back in for his first game. That was obviously a positive to get a run under his belt. Watson now looks like he's out for a month with a throat injury. Verrill's got reintroduced into the nine rotation. They brought Hutchison back in after the drop room to start. Um, the biggest thing for me at the moment, I, know, I think they just don't play direct enough. There's two side to side. Even Radley's starting to not engage as much as I'd like him to. Same deal. He needs to run to run, not run to pass. When they get these shift plays going, they're under pressure. They're not doing enough quick play of the balls, and they wonder why passes are hitting the ground or things aren't working out as well. They're under pressure. They're probably not kicking in the front door as well as they did a few years ago. No, they um, so
2: It's early. So they'll they'll uh, mould into a stall. They'll work out that balance.
1: I'd love to see you know,
2: a win for... The classier team won.
1: Yeah. I'd love to see when Egan Butcher's available again. I think from what I've seen it's indefinite with a foot, but I thought the back end of last year him coming off the bench made a bit of bit of a difference. Had some leg speed, made some impact, busted some tackles. That they, they just seemed to be lacking a bit of leg speed. I thought the other week the move with Crichton coming off the bench was a bit of a move to try and get some leg speed to the middle and help out that rotation, which is getting a bit older. Um and then you had Tockey who Started the first two rounds okay, but he's injured again now. But it it mainly seems to be to that middle third right now. They're not quite doing the job that you'd like them to do. No. Um, But, yeah. Dragons, Newcastle, it wasn't a pretty game, to say the least. Two teams that desperately needed a win. But at the end of the day, second half, they come home with a bit of wet sail. They opened up that left edge. Moses Suley got plenty of good ball. Ben Hunt was outstanding. Um and they found a way to navigate a win. Very ballsy of a Monet to jump out, play five from dummy half, and they ended up going through the hands multiple times, and Fina, who's been really, really good the last few weeks, scores that try, but it's just, yeah, it, it was it was a game, I think, both sides definitely need a win. Um, and I guess for Newcastle, the toll's starting to add up. They lost Clune. he missed the game, Barnett, we know, suspended. Heimel hasn't played that. A couple of young guys they wanted to use. Young got injured. Fitzgibbon got injured. Brayley got injured. Then that Pierce game. Go. Amasia got injured every week at the moment. And they just seem to be dropping a player or two and having some changes and the pressure's mounting. They started 2-0. They were overcoming any of the question marks that were over them. And then they now lost 4-0. Yeah. And then the situation with game Ponga.
2: There. Game they could have easily won.
1: Yeah. The situation with Ponga that we've been through. Don't want to talk about it because it's getting absolutely. Flogging, but this is the prime example again. Straight after this, it's oh look how good he played. I'm like, well, he played good against Dragons. Yeah, well, and
2: when they you're still at one point two. You need to be the best player on the
1: field most weeks. Exactly, and it's like, well, still didn't deliver a result, which is why we're looking at the contract, the clauses, <laughs> and the whole, you know, situation, and going, well, is the orange worth the squeeze? In this situation, would you rather have two or three good players or someone else on board who's at least willing to accept a contract that locks them in? Yeah. Or do you want a guy you're paying, you know, the equal most money to in the competition to play his best games against the worst teams? Yeah. You need that week in, week out. So all the praise that came out of that, I'm like, fuck you, you shouldn't be expecting that every week for that sort of money. Pretty much. Um, but yeah. Tough result for them. One moment I, I was happy about. Good on Tyson Frizzell for fucking Jersey slamming Zach Lomax.
2: Yeah, great. That was a
1: dick move in the last few weeks. <laughs> In the last few weeks, he probably hasn't painted himself in the best light. I know for a fact. Obviously, uh, people knowing a few people there that he is is a good bloke, but between the the dufty comments, impersonating his coach, and then jumping on one of your ex-teammates back, probably hasn't painted himself in the best light the last few weeks. Yeah. So I guess you know probably a little bit more focus on football. I don't know. There was the other side with the brigade roll going. Whenever well, everyone's complaining because someone showed character, we say we want someone to show character.
2: I got no issue with what he said about Dufty or the, or impersonating Griffin. Nah, but I think what he did during the on stand the field
1: was, wasn't smart. It was, it was, yeah. And generally, if you're an outside it was back, a good sportsmanship, front rollers and back rollers and guys, especially as hard as Tyson drill, not the sort of people who I'd be doing that to. No, not a smart move. And then old Clemmer put him in the, the gorilla grip at the end of the game and yeah, good. told him what he thought. <laughs> and he tried to get away and he pulled him back in. I was like, nice. And this is why Ford should be able to still throw punches because outside backs Harvey, and a lot of smaller guys. Nice. are certainly yeah. growing, uh, growing an extra leg since they weren't allowed to be punched in the face. There's no martial law. So he's very, very lucky because that's two scary people. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think hunt last year really came of age and this year again, um, really pushing things uphill for the Dragons and what has been a tough start. Suli certainly had a really, really good impact on this game, and I think it's been a tough two weeks for Gagai after starting the year so well. He's come up against two very physical and big centers in Sifatalakai, who ended up with, like, 14, 15 tackle breaks, and then on the weekend, trying to take on Suli. I think he had seven misses. He was really, really good on offense, close to 200 meters. was very busy, as was best, but, Yeah. Um, up against those bigger bodies, he's had some trouble in the past, and I think it was last year, In that, even in that semi they won through to the grand final but when they played Manly, Suley beat him I think twice maybe to set up tries, so probably doesn't help when you lose the middle and you get an isolated one-on-one, need a bit of help with those bigger bodies but for Newcastle, I think yeah, it's just just troops, injuries again coming out of this game and who's coming back sometime soon, and then we talk about recruitment you hear today about Barnett moving on after they tried to offer an extension on top of what he's already got there but uh, the Warriors obviously making a better offer and he getting a release after long service to the club yeah so just another one of these situations where you're going we don't know what's doing with Ponga we've let Pierce go and now we've let go one of our better forwards Um, yeah sort of wondering what their plan is or what they, who else they've got on their radar to bring in because there hasn't been a lot of activity in terms of ins more so than there's been outs yeah um, the last one here, Tigers Eels. So any Tigers fan out there, congrats. You'd be very bloody happy after that. And I guess a lot of the question sometimes is, you could beat 0-6, but you just want to see effort. And some of the weeks, like last week against the Sharks, you just didn't see it. If they would have lost yesterday, as a Tigers fan, you would have been shattered, but you would have been proud of the way they play and the effort they showed, yeah. much like they did for probably 60 minutes against Melbourne. But it's when a team just does not have a dig. And yesterday was just straight up having a red-hot crack. Their forward pack took it to Parramatta. Uh, They all kind of come together as a collective. I think Twile in particular was very good. Luciano's trial was one of those effort carries. Hastings taking the steering wheel and being a bigger body and willing to engage, bought some time for guys like Laurie, Brooks and Simpkin to not think as much and just play off the back of it and not for Luma. where the fuck's that guy been for the last two hundred years? That that's the sort of Notfaluma before they gave him that long-term extension, breaking tackles and pinballing and getting their sets off to a good start. Mm. Um, you know that that was a really really good win, good for the club, good for morale. And I thought Hastings, particular at the end, the way he spoke um, to the media and you know saying about Brooks's play and you know just in general about the club and maybe for the the media <laughs> not talk about it for five minutes or just get up to get off their back a little bit. I thought. Huge day for him yesterday and a good day all around for Tigers. Yeah.
2: Hastings did a magnificent job. He was the best player on the field by more.
1: Mm. If you're Parramatta, and I think Brad Arthur summed it up pretty, pretty much that they uh, disrespected their opponents, didn't uh, have enough effort or care to what they were doing. And I think for them it was another one of these games where they got too fucking sideways. They just refused to straighten up. And the funny thing is the few times they played straight, they just tinkered them and scored easy. Mm. They had more ball. They had the penalties, possession. Like they, they made it look easy in the patches they did have it. But they were just so impatient and so sideways at times. Yeah. And I just don't understand. Like Dylan Brown, too wide off the ruck, bang straight through for reed Money. And then before you know it again, Guston throws one over the sideline. Another ball's going over the sideline. Like this obsession, a bit like he said against the Sharks, where we refused to play tough with them and we still almost won the game. It was a little bit like that yesterday. The few times they got nitty gritty and played direct, they looked really good. And probably could have scored it will, but they just refused to do it for long periods of time, and were probably their own worst enemy. Yeah. So that I think I'm not getting into you know any big long scientific theories here of people going, oh, that shows that they're not a contender or they're written off." And we we just saw before uh, in the background before we started recording, I think 360 was blaming Moses for the the field goal setup. That wasn't Moses' fault.
2: No, it wasn't. That Moses, was the... Moses was doing his best, and
1: yeah, the that guys was... around him just didn't get in position. Mm. It was the first correct setup after the last few weeks of us saying about set-ups not being correct. Mm. And they ran one more play the wrong way after he asked for it. So he ended up getting the ball, a tackle later than when he wanted, not on the, the spot that he wanted. Yeah. And he still only just missed. But in terms of how you want set-up, he was actually correct in what he was going for. The team just let him down. Yeah. So uh, you can't blame that one all on Moses. But I'm certainly not going to look at this one and go, oh, that's them done, as some people have already done. But it's one of these ones for a team like them where you go, well, bottom of the ladder, 75th year team, stacked house, like you've got to go out and just get the job done there. Because that's the difference, again, between you playing top four or not playing top four at the end of the year. When you look back and you go, all right, oh, we missed out on four and again, so we missed out on this. And then you look at the games you've lost and you go, well, you know, two points to Cronella is one thing, or beating Melbourne, that's a huge result, but we lost to the Tigers when they were. 0-5 0-5 under the gun and made drastic changes to their team at home in front of 30,000 fans and a 75th, you know, like the 74th, the anniversary team. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. That's got to be one that you just hit home. But yeah. unfortunately, that's not the case. But that wraps up our reviews of the games from the weekend. We now jump into our tips and previews for round seven brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet, do it with a true blue bookie. There is no one better than bluebet.com.au. And in terms of the charity bet, two in a row. Bang, bang. Mm. So we can thank Parramatta for one thing. I backed Dylan Brown last week for us. That was a win. And uh, this week I backed Isaiah Papali'i, Scored a nice try. Yeah. So we're now three from six, which is good. And we've got 322 bucks in the So uh, Perfect. If we can pull a few more uh, at... Maybe a little bit better odds, that's one thing, but if we keep pulling 100 every second week, we'll end up with 1,200, 1,400, something like that, if we get 110, 120 most weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Very, very thankful for Bluebet for supporting us and our charity account and for Anzac Day. There is a cracker offer, and that is if you back a team head-to-head and they lead by six or more points at half time, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner. Up to a hundred dollars. Lead by six at half time, and you win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. But uh, I like those offers. I think Melbourne. I'd like to have a crack on to lead at half time. If you're going to pay me out early, yeah, that's by fair. six or more down there at Melbourne, they they certainly do a good show with the the blackout they do on the lights and the Bromwich brothers will be back in. It's it's always a hard place to go and play. I'm not sure you're going to get
2: long odds on either the Roosters or the Storm though.
1: Yeah, I don't um. know. But uh, the other game, I don't know if I'm, I'm as confident about the Dragons and the Roosters. Just play the Roosters have been playing, but if they're serious mm. this week, I'd expect to see a bit more fire and brimstone. But there you go, bluebet.com.au. Like I said, download the app today, and if you're going to have a bet, do it with the True Verb Lookie and one that backs us in our charity account. The first game that we have off the ranks here is the Sharkies up against Manly. And uh, in terms of changes from last week for Manly, Morgan Harper's back in after COVID. Cooler goes back to the reserves. Josh Allier uh, is out with a shoulder injury. His place is taken by Paseca, who starts. And a head knock sidelines Kepi. So Ethan Bullimore goes back on the bench. And Martin Tapau, who also has COVID, is still out for the Sharks. Bit of a reshuffle. Dale Finucane misses with a short turnaround from his head knock. Braden Hemingwell, like we said, possibly 12 weeks. That's a big blow. He's been great. Cameron McInnes gets his first start at lock. Aiden Tolman starts at prop, and Royce Hunt rolls onto the bench. Sianna Katawa returns on the wing, and Britton Acora returns in the back row. Brock, it's at the prison. Sharks. They've both got changes, and I think the Sharks have handled changes well so far. So I'm also with the Sharks. I'm at bluebet.com.au. They're $1.44, favorite, $2.75 for Manly. Minus six and a half is the line. 1-12, 290. Sharks, 395 for the Eagles. 13-plus, 274. Sharks, 690 for the Eagles. Uh, The second game, the Broncos up against the Doggies. Two teams that are at the bottom end at the moment and heavy changes in this game for the Broncos. Tessie New, like we said, possibly out for up to 10 weeks or longer. Pending surgery opens the door for Tamari Martin to come back after two years in retirement. After that bleed on the brain, he's going to play fullback. Herbie Farnworth is back in the centres. Tyson Gamble has now been named at 5'8, with Billy Walters pushed back to the bench. Payne Haas returns from his ban. Keenan Palasia moves to the bench. Corey Pakes is starting at hooker with Turpin nursing a shoulder injury. And Tom Flegler returns from injury. Oh, sorry, from suspension, Ryan James drops out of the side. So a swag of changes there. And for the Bulldogs, there's two changes to last week. Braden Burns hurt his hamstring. Chris Patolo had a head knock. So Aaron Shook comes into the centres and Corey Waddell comes on to the bench. What do you think of the Dogs' chances here, Brock? It's up at Suncorp. It's a heavy heavy amount of changes on terms of the Bulldogs. Uh, the Broncos' side of things. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to... They, they played good footy last week if
2: they can replicate that they'll beat the dogs so you're going with the Broncos yeah I'm on the I'm on the Bronx
1: I'll stick with the Broncos as well I think the Bulldogs effort was good last week um, but yeah you still got Reynolds there with Gamble so I don't think that really affects him as much Haas is a big in Martin at one surprised me that like, they've talked about Cobo and all this money that's floating around from him yet they've chose to stick with him on the wing. It's, that's a very hard place to return after two years out Yeah, to play one for Tamari Martin. I think I can understand that they're looking for a genuine ball-playing option, someone to help, because as we said the other week, Reynolds is probably not getting a lot of link help from his six, his nine, or his one. But with Martin there, you've got a former junior Kiwi, number six, who's a good ball-runner and can ball-play, so they're possibly testing the waters there to see if they've got something long-term. Of course they would. Yeah, um, yeah Haas back in. Big help, but I think this would be a tight game. And Blue Bet they agree with us on that one. The Broncos $1.60. The Dogs 235. Minus three and a half the line there. One to twelve Broncos 310, 340 for the Bulldogs. 13 plus 295 Broncos 630 for the Bulldogs. Cowboys Titans Queensland Derby game. Always good games. Uh, and for this one here on the Cowboys side of things. Griffin Neem returns from concussion and Jordan McLean starts with Cotter back to the bench and Connolly Lemelieu drops out. Hermiso is back in the reserves and it'll be interesting to see, like I said, what they do there because their backline's playing pretty well. And for Holbrook, the same 17 that put in a decent effort last week, but Jaden Campbell is among the reserves again and we'll have to wait and see if he gets a run. Um, and that one is 5.30 Saturday. North Queensland you think the Titans can get home in this one
2: mm.
1: this is one of those ones uh, again if, if you want to play finals you got to win
2: yeah I, I'll probably go with the Titans it's probably last chance to learn though
1: yeah well, I'm going with the Cowboys sure. Um, but again I think this is a good game of football these derby games or the Queensland teams when they play each other it's generally good uh, but I think we'll see some points in this one I think we'll see lots of points. And the bookies at bluebet.com.au have got this one tied as well. Slight favorites are the Cowboys at $1.85. The Titans, $1.95. Minus one and a half is the line. 1-12, 305 Cowboys, 325 Titans, 13+. 395 Cowboys, 455 for the Titans. Tigers and Souths, there's been a couple of close games between these two the last couple of years. And off the back of a win last week, Hopefully some confidence for the Tigers and uh, the same 17 as you'd expect. Some serious questions on Jake Simpkin. They've named him to play. Looking at the way his foot was, I thought for sure. Cinesmosis or possibly a fractured ankle. looked horrible. Um, it didn't look good, no. Little's been named in the reserves. And Jock Madden is also another option there who they had on the bench for the Rabbitohs. David Mowale comes back onto the bench after last week. He was out for Isaiah Task the debut against his old club. He moves out of the side and Harmo Selle starts at prop with Tom Burgess moving back to the bench. I'd love to think that the Tigers will have a red-hot crack two weeks in a row, but I'm going to be going with South to uh, South. continue to build some momentum. And like we said, these are the wins they need to chalk up after the tough start that they had. And with bluebet.com.au, their heavy favourites, $1.28, $3.65 for the Tigers. Minus 11.5 is the line there. One to twelve, five dollars for the Tigers. Two eighty for Souths. Thirteen plus nine dollars for the Tigers. Two seventeen for Souths. Knights, Eels, one of these ones where you look at the power again and go, you just have to bounce back in this game. You've got a team that's had injuries and been under pressure, and you bombed one of those games that you have to win last week. So this is a must-win on the Parramatta side of things, and uh, for them, there's some changes again this week. Junior Paulo, much. Uh, lauded inclusion this week, returning from suspension. Oregon Gafusi goes back to the bench, and Neo Cora, who I thought was pretty good last week, is out already. He's got leg tightness, so one game back, and he's already out. Um, Will Penaseni shifts back into the centers. Hayes Perham goes on to the wing. Campbell Gillard is named despite an ankle injury that seen him not be able to finish the game, and Mitch Rain is back into the reserves. Jacob Arthur rolls onto the bench for Newcastle. Clunes named a return at halfback after withdrawing last week. Crossland goes back to the bench. Sagi to 18th man. Heimel Hunt's in the reserves for the first time. And Daniel Safidi is listed to start, but could swap again like he did last week. The Eels can't lose two of those games in a row, surely. No. So got them to do the job. Bluebet.com.au agrees. $3 for Newcastle, $1.39 39 for Para. Minus eight and a half is a line. One to twelve, four ten nights, three o five eels, thirteen plus nine dollars nights, two thirty four for the eels. Panthers Raiders. This could be an absolute cricket score. Four o'clock Sunday afternoon at Penrith Stadium. If they play anything like they have in terms of how patchy they are, gluts of possession and ill discipline. If they do that with Penrith. This will be 50 or 60 points yeah, without any question. And and for Penrith, I think minimal changes this week. They've got an unchanged lineup. We're seeing those guys start to build back in after having off-season surgery. Cleary, Fisher-Harris and the confidence of these younger guys coming in. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough ask for Canberra. A couple of changes. They've got Rapana, as we said, moving to fullback. Nickel Clogstad moves to the bench. Xavier Savage is named on the wing. Harry Rushton is in line for a debut on the bench. He's been outstanding in New South Wales Cup. Emre Gula gets pushed to the reserves with Jared Croker. And Hudson Young is pushed out into the 18th man spot uh, with Sebastian Chris out this week. So Elliot Whitehead's moved from lock to the back row. Sutton starts at 13. So a slight change there. And obviously the reshuffle in the back line. Rapana going to the back. Savage to the wing. And obviously on the bench, Rushton in that middle rotation instead of Goula, and Chan's now sort of his utility. I expected more change, given the severity of his words. Um, I know it's probably not the greatest week to do it, but I also look at it and go, well, if you're going to debut a kid like Harry Rushton this week, if you've got guys like Mooney and Webb that are doing a job for you and you've got a couple other guys letting you down, some point you need to bite the bullet. It's
2: a to push the flush
1: button. Um, I'm not saying you get a complete flush, but yeah, if you're going to, for some of these veterans of all weeks, I would have made them face up to a team like Penrith. It's a tough initiation for a guy like Rushton to come in here, that's for sure. Mm. Um, but you couldn't make me back Canberra with your money or anyone else's money. No, man. Penrith at home, 20 in a row, unchanged lineup. Sunday afternoon. The place will be an absolute rabble yeah. um, and it won't be a friendly place for Canberra to go to, that's for sure. And the bookies agree... $6 with bluebet.com.au, the Raiders. Panthers $1.13, minus 17 dollars 5 is the line. $1 to 12, $3.95 Panthers, $7 Raiders. $13 fifty two. $1.52 Panthers, $17 for the Raiders. Dragons, Roosters, Storm, Warriors, the two Anzac Day clashes. Always cracker games. Get out with these if you can. I've been, the last few years in particular, for the Dragons, Roosters, especially why Vaughn, was at. The Dragons, and we've done the Melbourne trip, I think, three times. Absolutely outstanding. We've done the double up once and gone to the AFL and the Storm Warriors games. They put on a hell of a shot. Yeah, they... um, they're awesome days. And then to get out there and just say thank you to the veterans, just like getting to your RSL club, doing a dawn service, um, all good things you can do on Anzac Day to pay some respects. But the first one, Roosters, Dragons, 4 o'clock at the SCG on Monday. In terms of the Dragons and changes there, they've got the same 17, but again... Sloan's in the reserves. I don't know if he's got Sullivan in his reserves. yet. Yeah, he's now back in those reserves as well. He's still got a Monet on the outside on the bench, um, and he's kept Woods out. And for the Roosters, Momorowski replaces Kevin Nguama in the back line. comes back in and replaces Saluka Fafita on the bench, and Veros is again named to start, but could be bench for Drew Hutchison, pending how they want to go. But no Watson, like we said, for up to a month now with a throat fracture. Uh, if there was ever a day to get back to what we're saying, playing that middle football and kicking the front door, it's this day for the Roosters and that's who I'll be tipping. Me too, yeah. And, uh, decent odds for the dragons, uh on the outside there, three ninety with bluebet.com.au dot and the Roosters heavy favourite at a dollar twenty six, minus twelve and a half a line one to twelve dragons, five dollars, three thirty the Roosters, thirteen plus dragons, fourteen dollars eighty seven the Roosters. And Storm Warriors, to wrap things up, down at Amy Park. Like I said, they do an outstanding job at that stadium. The whole blackout and projecting uh, the players and the light show. It's uh, it's quite an experience And for the Storm. Pappenhausen's name, despite that ankle. Looking at the photo of that today, I, I don't think he'll play. I, I don't know why he'd play him. It looks horrendous. The Bromwich brothers will both return from COVID. Jesse back at prop. Kenny in the background. That'll push Brandon Smith and Trent Lierra. Back to the bench with Chris Lewis and Alec McDonald dropping out. For the Warriors, Lodge returns from a side strain. Aaron Penne goes to the bench. Otzokolo, the hooker, drops out. Josh Curran and Sean Johnson are both named despite knocks to their lower legs last week. And Jazz Tavunga is in the reserves after serving a two-game suspension uh, for the Storm. I guess if they do let Pappenhausen sit out this week, Nick Meaney your natural choice to go to fullback, and I don't know if he's in the reserves. Oh, he's not. Okay, that surprised me. I thought um, the rugby sevens player, Will Warbrick, they've said the last few weeks that he's played well up on uh, the sunny coast. I thought he might be there somewhere for an opportunity to possibly get a debut um, against the Warriors, which would be appropriate being a Kiwi, um, but he's not in the lineup there, so I guess if Meanie. Goes in there and they need a replacement on the wing looking at what they've got there. Cooper Johns, Garlic Grant. They've only really got Seve as a backline option there. So, yeah, I don't know. Unless Jack Howarth comes in as a centre and they push someone to the wing. Or either that or they're super confident that Papinez is 100% to go. But the photo today, his ankle is huge. Yeah. So.
2: Long turnaround though.
1: Yeah. Not sure, but Storm. We're both on the Storm, I'm assuming. Yeah. At home. Um, always a tough place to go. And they are dollar eleven with bluebet.com.au the Warriors 650, 16.5 is the line. And then you've got one to twelve, three ninety-five for the storm, and seven dollars for the Warriors, and thirteen plus a dollar forty-seven for the storm and twenty-one dollars for the Warriors. And sorry, that line is 18 eighteen and a half. So it's a fair start there for the Warriors. Sure is. It sure is. Uh, there you go. The only game we've got different is Titans Cowboys. And in terms of those games, get out there. If, if you're a Panther fan, go watch your team. I work with a couple of guys who used to love going, and I said this the other week, I did like it when less people went because I could stand wherever I wanted and drink and do what I wanted. But if you're one of these guys who's a local and you're not going now before the stadium gets knocked down and then they move for a couple of years, you're kidding yourself. Because I know a couple and they're like, eh. I'll just wait. I'm like, just wait. You're not going to have a stadium. We've got to be able to watch your team for a couple of years. They're red hot right now. Mm. Get down there and watch. It's great. Pay a little bit extra and get a seat if you're going to fucking complain. But honestly, if you're not going to go watch them this year before that stadium goes, you're kidding yourself. Your team is red hot. That's fair. Go watch them play football. And same deal again. Anzac Day. Thank you to everybody out there um, who served past and present get out to the RSL clubs, get the Dawn Services, get out and say thank you. And uh, those two games, again, things to tick off your bucket list, I think. I've had great experiences at both um, the SFS and obviously down at Melbourne. And even if you don't like the AFL, I'm not a huge fan, but the day we went and did that game was also a great experience. I think there was 105,000 at the MCG yeah. on that day it's we did the double w- up. So it's uh it's It's great more so just as a sports fan to be around that atmosphere. Yeah. I barely watched the game. I had some beers and just enjoyed the, the atmosphere. It was great. And it was during the time where Essendon got done for doping, so the Collingwood fans were particularly uh, parochial. It was uh, it was quite interesting. Yeah. But there you go, mate. To finish off, I was going to put a bit more buzz in during the show, but it's a bit late, mate. It's fucking late. Right? And I, I didn't think about it too much. But for now, Brock, I hope you're well, mate. I hope everyone out there is well. I hope you enjoyed a, a long weekend with your family and you don't do what I did today. I put the bins out because I thought it was Monday. It's not. Because I was back at work. No, it's not Monday. I've had a brand fad, mate. But again, another long week coming up with uh, the Monday off for Anzac Day. So stay safe, enjoy yourself, get out, watch some football. And for now, and enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league.
2: Bring it on.
1: Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?